Have we been lied to the entire time? It looks like we have, and where those lies led us, yikes. Also, preview of what's coming here. All that's coming up on I'm Right. I think sometimes it's helpful for us to rewind and take a look back on things, see why things happen. I have always thought this was helpful, really, in all walks of life, in my personal life, in your personal life, in your business life, maybe your relationship, maybe your children, maybe your parents, whatever you happen to be doing at the time, it always helps to look back and assess how did I get where I am, for better and for worse, right? And that's easy to do when it's something that makes you feel good. Maybe you're at a point in your life right now when you're in great shape. Well, when that's the case, it feels good to look back. Oh, man, I remember a year ago, two years ago, I was 50 pounds overweight. Now look at me. Look like a Greek god. That feels good, that look back. And the how did I get here looks great, too, right? Man, I was really fat and decided I would eat a little less pizza, God forbid, Work out a little bit more, been staying at it, sleeping better, so on and so forth. Now look at me. I was here, and then I did all these things, and that's what brought me to here. That's a feel-good moment. People have those moments. Maybe it's your work life, whatever the case may be. I, I was here, and then I improved, spent all this time improving, and now I'm way better off. That feels good. So that one happens a lot. We do that for the good things. We don't tend to do that for the bad things in our lives it doesn't feel good. It's not enjoyable at all. An honest assessment of yourself, your work, your physical fitness, your country, your relationship, your, an honest self-assessment of that when maybe it's not going very well, that's a lot more difficult, isn't it? It's, it's one thing when you've lost 50 pounds, it's quite another when you've gained it and you look in the mirror and there's a big cupcake staring back at you. And you say to yourself, oh, man, how this happened? Well, I don't want to think about it. I just got to do something about it. That's what you do. No, that's an important time for your fat self, for your business, for your country. That's an important time to stop, think about where you were and how you got here. Okay, you were in pretty good shape, decided to give up the weight room and start eating a lot. That sucks. You didn't work out enough. You got fat. All that sucks. It hurts to hear. But unless you have that honest assessment, how can you ever get to the place where you'll fix it? It's time to have an honest assessment or attempt to have an honest assessment with what we have, with the information we're allowed to have so far about coronavirus. You see, it's one thing to accept that virtually all this lockdown stuff has failed. I'm... That's something a lot of people won't accept, but you should. We have example after example after example after example of countries that have gone a different direction, and they're doing fine. Oftentimes, they're doing better than we're doing. This stand six feet away from somebody, wear a mask on your face, this stuff didn't work. And it's not that I'm rooting against it, although I thought it was a huge violation of liberty. I hated it, but... It didn't work. If it worked, places that were doing that would be better than places that aren't. Okay, so that hurts. That hurts. It 
Hurts to know we just spent a year and a half doing the wrong things. Half the population, if not more, still believes that's the solution to a virus. Okay, that's a big problem. That hurts. What if, what if I were to tell you that everything that came from coronavirus, you paid for it? What if I were to say that to you? Does that sound like I'm a conspiracy theorist? Does that sound like I'm back and I've lost my mind after Labor Day? Is that what it sounds like? Because we have some troubling information out there. And before we, before we get to this exchange, let's pause for just a brief moment and consider all that coronavirus has brought us. Yes, 600,000 dead Americans or whatever the number is at this point in time. We have an economy that is primed to completely burst. We have inflation through the roof. And no, I don't want you to make this mistake and say to yourself every time you go to the gas pump or buy this or buy that and see the prices are up, I don't want you to say, ah, Joe Biden. Yeah, Joe Biden's part of it. But did you think we could just pause an economy? and just print trillions of government dollars and dump it into it with no inflation? Is that something that you thought was possible? Because that's what we did. Your coronavirus panic, if you had it. No, not pointing any fingers. If you were one of the people, go home, lock down, put me in a bubble. Look in the mirror if you're worried about inflation. It's your fault. Again, this is not your mommy's show. It's your daddy's show. You wanted everyone to go home and lock down. Inflation is your fault. It sucks. What else? What else? Well, let's see. We have drug addiction, alcohol abuse, spousal abuse, child abuse through the roof. We have suicide hotlines that have been posting record numbers for a long time. We have a country that is tearing apart its own civil liberties. Our biggest and most important city, New York City, currently has a passport you have to have or you can't come in here and eat, you dirty, unvaccinated swine. No, you can't go to this concert. You're one of the lesser people. We've destroyed our civil liberties, destroyed our mental health. We got way too fat for a disease that hurts fat people. And you paid for it. You see, a lot of people made fun of the great Senator Rand Paul when he hauled Dr. Fauci in front of the Senate and said, "Um, this looks like you paid to basically make this virus. Remember this? Gain-of-function research, as you know, is juicing up naturally occurring animal viruses to infect humans. To arrive at the truth, the U.S. government should admit that the Wuhan Virology Institute was experimenting to enhance the coronavirus's ability to infect humans. Juicing up super viruses is not new. Scientists in the U.S. have long known how to mutate animal viruses to infect humans. For years, Dr. Ralph Barrick, a virologist in the U.S., has been collaborating with Dr. Shi Zengli of the Wuhan Virology Institute, sharing his discoveries about how to create super viruses. This gain-of-function research has been funded by the NIH. The collaboration between the U.S. and the Wuhan Virology Institute continues. Dr. Fauci, do you still support funding of the NIH funding of the lab in Wuhan? Senator Paul, with all due respect, you are entirely and completely incorrect that the NIH has not ever and does not now fund gain-of-function research in the Wuhan Institute. 
There's a word. Give me a second. Give me a second. There's a word for lying in front of Congress like that. It starts with a P. P perjury, I believe. Perjury is the word. The Intercept has a new article out today. 900 pages. 900 pages. There was a Freedom of Information Act request. 900 pages released. They had to sue, I should note, to get them released. Of course, we asked, and uh, everybody said, no, 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 no. Well, uh, we lost those. Uh, they're in the file in the back, right? Uh, they came down in a fire. Oh, we got them. Had to sue for them. Oh, yeah. We funded it. You and me. The Wuhan Virology Place. That's your taxpayer money. That's my taxpayer money. So we still don't know, and I don't know that we'll ever know because of how much the Chinese are blocking people out from finding out and how much our own government has lied. But every indication right now, and I do mean every indication, is coronavirus came from the Wuhan lab. We have lots of people saying it was created intentionally in the Wuhan lab. We now know taxpayer money was given to the Wuhan lab to create viruses intentionally. What I'm trying to say to you is this. It appears everything that's going on right now is funded by us. By us. You got up. You went to work today. Half your day at work, a third of your day at work goes to the government. They, they seize your labor by force. The government then took your labor, handed your labor to a Chinese virology lab, and created a super virus that then somehow got back to our shores, killed 600,000 Americans, caused drug, alcohol abuse, massive mental health crisis. Oh, and did I mention another huge jobs miss in August? you see we are in very, very, very deep trouble here. Jobless Americans, this is from CNN, jobless Americans left scrambling after pandemic unemployment benefits ends. You see, we not only had huge amounts of job openings, we have employers that can't get people hired. Why couldn't they get people hired? And I know several small business owners, they all said the same thing, pandemic unemployment. They're making just as much or more sitting at home. So yes, that's right. Not only did we make society fatter in response to a virus that harms fat people the most, we also chose to pay people to stay home at a time when we needed people back to work as fast as humanly possible. You ask how we got to $22 trillion in debt with inflation blowing up right now? complete societal rot, I say it's time we do the hard thing and we look back. I know we've done it before on this show, but it's time we do the hard thing and look back and say, oh man, everything we did, every single step we took in response to coronavirus was wrong. We went the wrong way. You don't send people inside. Sunshine's wonderful. You don't shut down the gyms. You need to get skinny fast because this thing hurts you if you're too fat. Every single thing we did. Do you remember? Do you remember when they took down the outdoor basketball hoops? They did this in my area. Outdoor hoops. They took the hoops off of them. If we don't look back and assess this, 
then we're not going to be ready the next time a virus hits or the next time any big public panic comes. We're just not going to be ready for it. We have to look back and say, oh man, we did everything wrong and we paid for it. All that may have made you uncomfortable, but I'm right. Now, you have to stop dipping. I, I'm not lecturing you. I dipped for years. If I'm being totally honest with you right now, I still love it. I don't know what I would do if you put a can of dip in front of me right now. I'd probably just put the whole thing in my mouth. That's why I need Jake's Mint Chew. Jake's Mint Chew allows me to have that dip whenever I get a craving. Only it's tobacco-free, and it's nicotine-free. It's even sugar-free. So I can have that dip, and I can have it guilt-free. Jake's Mint Chew is the way. Go to jakesmintchew.com. That's jakesmintchew.com. May I highly recommend the CBD pouches, by the way? All right. We got a great show. Hang on. Leadership. How do you define it? What makes somebody one? What makes somebody a good one? What makes somebody a bad one? How does it happen? These are all answers. These are all questions I shouldn't be asking on my television show because I don't have an answer for it. I don't know that anybody does. But I do know this. Leadership matters a lot. And I mean matters a lot. You see, we don't need everybody to wake up at once. I want you to keep this in mind. I'm talking to you as an American. We're going to get to Australia and France and all this COVID stuff here in a second. But you as an American. This is where I hear a lot from the right. And I get the frustration. So I'm not judging you for this if you say or think this kind of thing. I hear a lot of, why won't everybody wake up? What's wrong with my brother? I talked to my brother. He doesn't get it. What's wrong with this uh, guy on TV? He's so weak on him. Why doesn't he get it? Why won't this person wake up and that person wake up? And What's wrong with my mother? And my wife's gone crazy. I hear all that. I hear that. And I hear you. I hear you. I sympathize completely. I've had a private moment like that in my life about 10,000 times where I look at this person and I think, do I just need to grab him and just shake him or something? Don't shake anybody. But do I just need to shake him awake? But it's not possible for everybody to wake up. Do you know what percent of this country fought the American Revolution? No, I'm not telling you to fight a revolution. It's an example, it's a historical example. Because you, you and me, we're Americans. We love America. We love the 4th of July and fireworks and freedom and the Constitution and all these other things. And because we're Americans, we grow up with this notion, or at least I did. Maybe you didn't. Maybe you had better history teachers than me. We grew up with this notion that every single colonist had a musket in his hands and he was out there popping British dudes and he was just making it happen. You know what percentage of this country fought the American Revolution on behalf of, you know, us, the good guys? A third. 33%, about a third, fought the revolution. You know a third of this country fought for the British. Another third didn't care. Just sat the whole thing out. Well, whoever wins is fine. We'll see what happens. What I'm saying to you is this. You want everybody to wake up. You want something that's never going to happen. You might as well wish for the sky to rain Sour Patch Kids. Everybody isn't going to wake up. You're awake. You have to go lead. I look at our various brothers across the pond right now, 
And one, it makes me proud of them. Two, it makes me a little ashamed we haven't gone and done likewise. You see what these Australians are doing? I mean, Australia has gone mad. They've absolutely gone mad. Full-out communist utopia. They are putting people in camps who get coronavirus. I'm not making that up. This is not tinfoil on your head time. They're going to people who get coronavirus, removing them and taking them to camps. The government is delivered, delivering prepackaged meals to people's doors. Well... The rural Australians, which very similar to Americans, are a much, much, much different breed than the urbanites. The rural Australians, especially the truckers, they've had about enough of it. There's now a strike. A strike going on in Australia, and it is a trucker strike. It is a major, major deal. Leadership matters. And I'm sad to say it, it's the Australians and French leading the way. We'll get to the French in a minute. But there is getting ready to be a global, global pushback against these insane coronavirus measures. There is. There is. The world has had enough. They've had enough. And pause for a moment. Because you may be thinking to yourself, okay, Jesse, a bunch of truck drivers parked on the side of the road. What do I care? Who cares? You know how much of the things in your life were offloaded from a truck? Do you know? Have you thought about, oh, your grocery store? Have you thought about your grocery store? You want to see what some of the shelves look like in some Australian supermarkets right now? Be very, very, very careful discounting the power certain portions of the population have if those portions of the population lead, leadership matters. I bet you never thought in Australia we'd have truckers leading the way for freedom. I think you didn't fully understand truckers and you didn't fully understand truckers. They can bring a nation to its knees if they refuse to work like that they can. And it's not just Australia, France. France has vaccine passports now. And it's been a common thing in America, amongst Americans, myself included, for years to make fun of the French, right? We like to hold that World War II thing against them pretty bad. I mean, they did have the bigger, better army than Hitler, and they just kind of laid down for the guy. And so from there, the world has just decided on this French stereotype that they're a bunch of soft surrender monkeys, right? And so we just decided that these French people suck. The truth is, as a history fan, France's military history is really, really awesome. And French's, France's history on revolting, pushing back against the powerful, trying to take too much of it, is really quite impressive. You would think France would pass a vaccine passport and all those French people would be like, oh, le cordon bleu, I'm happy about this. No, 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 no. The French are out there in the streets right now. The French are out there in the streets. The French are currently getting beaten by French police right now. Look at them chase this lady down like a dog and just start wailing on her right now. That's what the French are doing. That's what the French are doing. We have that picture of the French beating up the lady in the subway. It's really bad. But they're out there flooding the streets. 
Now, where are we at in this country? This could never happen here, right? Surely our government, at state and federal, surely our government would stop. I mean, the Americans, these, these politicians in America, surely they know Americans are done with all this coronavirus nonsense. They're done with the lockdowns. They're done with everything. I've explained this to you before. These people are not looking at all the disaster they've brought down and saying to themselves, oh, my bad. They love every minute of it. Here's the head of the teachers union. In, I'm sorry, a state like California, a state like New York, where you both have mask mandates and you have throughout the state a vaccine or test policy. If we can't keep kids safe when we have those things in place, if we can't keep educators safe where we have those things in place, then we're going to have to look at um, other choices, including remote. You see what they're setting up, right? You don't think that these people are done punishing you, do you? Now, I want you to remember this about coronavirus and always, always, always remember this no matter what. The people in power in this country, they love coronavirus. They absolutely love it. The teachers union bosses love it. They look at them with the biggest hostage situation ever. Oh, hey, we, won't, we don't feel safe teaching the kids. I mean, maybe for a little extra retirement, I, I'd be feeling safe. Dr. Fauci loves coronavirus. Democrats love coronavirus. It's the reason they're in the White House. The huge corporations love coronavirus. All the people who've been punishing you with coronavirus lockdowns, they love coronavirus. Remember that. All right. Now, you read much at all? Here's what I get from people a lot when I ask if they read and people don't like to read. They think, well, I don't like books. Books are boring. Hear me out here. Some books are very boring. You can even say many books. Most books are very boring. I would argue you actually do like to read. You just haven't found what you like to read yet. What if I told you there was a book series out there? There are several of them. And the central character in the book is a CIA counter-terrorist assassin who spends all his time in the books murdering bad people. Yes, it's really cool. Vince Flynn's book series has a brand new one out. It's called Enemy at the Gates. The central character is Mitch Rapp. I've been reading Mitch Rapp novels since, since, well, I, since I was in the Marine Corps. I've been reading, reading all these Vince Flynn books. I've read all of them more than once. A couple of them I've read four or five times. They're that good. This is out from Simon & Schuster. Enemy at the Gates, go get it now. You can buy Enemy at the Gates wherever books are sold. Go enjoy. Joining me now, former Army Ranger Tom Amenta and also author of the book The 20 Years War. Tom, I do have to ask as we get into this thing, um, Who's this new minister in Afghanistan? Is he a good dude? How are things going over there? Oh, uh, you're going to go right for the fire and see how much you can PO the uh, the Italian. All right. So, Sara Judin Harkani is now the interior minister of Afghanistan. Now, for your viewers who are like, who is this weird named dude? He was HBT, high value target number one for American Special Operations Forces post-Osama bin Laden. The Haqqani Network 
is a noted and stated terrorism organization that was operating out of the tribal regions of Pakistan. This man, Jesse, has a $10 million bounty on his head for U.S. forces. And he is now arguably number three in the government for the Taliban as of this morning, local Afghan time. Okay, we're going we're gonna to get to the whys of that in just a moment. But first of all, I want you to expand on this guy a little bit. A $10 million price on his head, and the next yep. man in the pecking order after bin Laden says, this is a really bad dude. Why do we want this dude so bad? So he ran the network out of the tribal regions of Pakistan that was running all of the, all of the terrorism, most of the drugs, right? Like, uh. you shouldn't really call him the interior ministry. You might as well just call him the head of opium. Like... They're, they're not even trying to be cute about this if they're going to have that guy because they controlled all the illegal drugs moving back and forth over the tribal region. They controlled all of the influence, all of the bribery, all of the everything. The Harkani Network was the one group of people that you heard was in the AO after Osama bin Laden was there and we were trying to do the nation building. We were like, uh-oh, those guys could fight. Those guys were organized. They were disciplined. They were coming from a place that they had basically carved their own state out in you know the wild wild west of pakistan and now this is the guy that is going to run the interior ministry of afghanistan this is the all right guy tom it's basically their secretary of state okay i have to ask because this is going to confuse a lot of people who aren't familiar with the place uh, the places okay. you are we have the taliban these strict uh, sharia law religious fundamentalists now we have this high-ranking guy basically a massive international drugs runner Merge those two worlds. What's this opium Taliban strict religion world to explain it for people who don't know what you're talking about, Tom? Hey, in the in the immortal words of the Wu Tang Clan, man, cash rules everything around me. But the Taliban's broke. They they don't have money. That was one of the largest problems that they ever had the first time that they were in governance, and they always had an eye on the drug trade. Again, when you go back to the first time that they were around, they controlled 85 percent of the opium-based narcotics around the world exceeding the Golden Triangle in Thailand. They've always been like this. It's just the forward base, the deep Sharia law, and everything they say is one thing, but how are they going to fund their government? It's been drugs, historically. They've always had a hand very deep into the well because, again, how else are they going to pay for everything else in a country that doesn't have any other economy to speak of? Okay, Tom, you're the one who knows these people, and clearly nobody in our government does right now. The Taliban and us. Not, not how we want it to be, but how it is right now. We are very mm -hmm. clearly diplomatically working with these people. Yep. Why? Why are we so all in for them? Is this just so they don't kill the last few civilians there and make Biden look bad? What, what, what is this about? Dude, when you get an answer to that, tell me, because at this point, I'm not sure. I would suspect yeah. that part of it has to do with the American citizens that they're trying to get out. But at the same time, so there's government contractors right now on site in Mazari Sharif that have planes with American citizens ready to take off and they're not allowed to, there's too much red tape from the State Department because they want to suddenly, now they're super concerned about exactly how they can check people leaving Mazar. Now, another thing you'd mentioned, make sure that your viewers and your listeners fully understand, if you were gonna get into a car in Kabul and you were gonna drive up the A-76 into Mazari Sharif, it's an eight hour drive, okay? It's not close. And yet these contractors with American citizens and people with green cards and fully appraised visas got them from Kabul 
all the way to Mazar in an operation that I can't wait to hear the movie about because that's incredible. That is an unbelievable um, response to a trying time. They finally get them there. The Taliban is absolutely also trying to extort these flights for money, for bribe money to get them out. And now the State Department is saying that once we check your paperwork and once we recheck your paperwork and once we make sure that we have all of these people, then yeah, maybe we might let your people fly. There's American citizens with American passports on these birds, Jesse. Like, they're holding up their passport being like, hi, American, here. We'll check the paperwork. Okay, okay, Tom, then explain this to me. Are we dealing with incompetence at the State Department, or is this intentional? Because call me a cynic, I could see a world where the State Department doesn't want to look bad by, by not being involved in getting our people out. Someone else is doing it, they're not. So they throw a couple roadblocks in front of them. So having now had to be in the spin cycle of the media for a little bit, I'm going to pull the, the two-step Heisman and say, watching Fox, one of the things that they repeatedly said is they think that the Biden administration was embarrassed by veterans like these men and women and some of the ones that I had the privilege of working with in organizations like Digital Dunkirk and Afghan Evac, that they're embarrassed that we ran into the cries for help and we said, well, screw it, we'll figure it out ourselves, right? And as they've put more roadblocks up and they've restricted things and the military has left Afghanistan and Ahmed Karzai International Airport was no longer a viable thing and people like me who just knew how to introduce someone on signal, you know, we can't really do much anymore. But there are still people of means. There are still people in country and have contacts to donors who are willing to pay a lot of money to get Americans out. And they're still working the problem. They are refusing to quit. Okay. All right, Tom, explain this to me. What's going on in Panjshir Valley? Because I understand nobody's really taken the daggone thing. I don't think since Genghis Khan, and I'm not even sure if he did it, but how exactly is that going? So I heard the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and whatnot did a major push up there over the weekend. So what, what I've heard in the Panjir is that the main lines of communication and the main government buildings have been taken. And also the Taliban had, and let's go back to the Harkanis for a second, Pakistani ISI support with drones. That's what's being reported. So it, not only is it not really a fair fight, but you have the other nation on the other side meddling in these affairs, helping the Taliban is what's been reported trying and all these people are trying to do is fight for freedom and fight for the things that they're supposed to do so the major lines of communication my understanding have been taken and they're now up in like um just i know you're over overseas in iraq like all the wadis and stuff that you'd have off the main road like those really steep valleys and stuff that's all where these dudes are hiding they haven't given up the fight they're still they're still plugging away but they're now on secondary and tertiary lines of communication trying to take the fight to the enemy which again from yeah you and i both know that is a bad place to be brother but yeah, the Taliban's no, getting no comms. Pakistan is what's being reported. No comms is as bad as no ammunition sometimes. All right, why Pakistan? Explain that really briefly for people that people don't understand Pakistan, understandably so. I don't understand it. Explain it to me. Oh, dude, I, I would need an hour to try and explain Pakistan. I'm going to try and do this really, really quickly. And what it really boils down to on a lot of levels is keeping things calm is the most important thing in that country because we play ball with them because they have nuclear weapons and we really don't want to see World War III jump off. The Pakistanis play ball with the Haqqanis because they really don't want this you know, semi-autonomous state that's been in their backyard forever causing a whole bunch of trouble, risking their international aid and really making a muck. Again, the head of the Haqqani network is worth $10 million in a bounty to the United States. Like That's how influential and how valuable that guy is. And if you're Pakistan and you want to keep 
your favored nation, you know, your diplomatically recognized status, and all these other Western governments were concerned about your nukes happy, you cut the side deal behind closed doors to keep the relative peace. They've been doing this for decades, right? And now, what's what's the convenient thing if you're Pakistan to remove the one little thorn in your side in the Panjir Valley so this other government that these dudes that have been the thorn in your side are now actively a part of, like, it's it's a concession. It's that diplomatic two-step that happens when you're caught between a rock and a hard place. That's that's all of this very, very simple and meant to land the plane in about a minute and a half. But again, it's way more complicated than that, but close enough for government work. Tom, Semper five, buddy. Hey, good to talk to you, brother. It's really bad. And this whole Pakistan thing, it's, it's just, it's going to be an interesting few years over there in that part of the world, and let's hope it doesn't drag us back to that part of the world, huh? All right, home title theft. If you own a home, your home title's online. As we sit here, you might already be a victim of it. You wouldn't know. They log in, they hack in, they get your home title, they take off with the money, because they take a loan out against your home, you're sitting at home, twiddling your thumbs. Two, three months later, you start getting eviction notices in the mail. Go to HomeTitleLock.com right now because there's a free offer. It's $100 value. Right now, you can put in your address and find out if you're already a victim of it. It'll give you the whole home title history of your home. While you're there, sign up so it doesn't happen to you. HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Joining me now is Ryan Helfenbein, the founding executive director of Standing for Freedom Center. Ryan, why are you pro-life? Well, I would just say, Jesse, there are reasons to be involved in politics. This is the reason. I mean, if you, if you today uh, don't, first of all, understand that people, every single man, woman, and child, born and unborn, is created in the image of God. You cannot call yourself a conservative uh, and not hold those beliefs. So you have to. I think today more than ever, people are being mobilized to get out to vote. We've been uh, honoring uh, people with our vote with every intention of overturning abortion law across this country. And so conservatives, red-blooded conservatives, I'm, ta I'm not talking about the Frank Luntzes of the world who poll and panel a bunch of people trying to convince Republicans that conservatives aren't conservative, that they don't really care about pro-life, that we're trying to hedge our bets, that we want another Mitt Romney uh, to try and send to the White House. This is not the case. Uh, and so I think more than ever, uh, we're being jazzed up uh, by what's happening in Texas. And we're looking forward to seeing uh, the pro-life movement uh, can continue to gather steam and momentum uh, in other places. Ryan, tell me something. What, what exactly was Texas's law? Because all you get right now is all these people freaking out, acting like uh, it's Afghanistan on the left yeah. or something here. I love the law, but people don't specifically know what's in it. What does it say? Yeah. Okay, so the left is going to make you think that in Texas, literally, you're being ruled by the Taliban. I'm sorry. No, the Taliban is raping women and selling little girls into sex slavery. That's how they make money. Uh, in addition to drug trafficking. No, in Texas, Senate Bill 8 that, that just went into effect last Wednesday essentially says that if you detect a fetal heartbeat, roughly around six weeks, you detect a fetal heartbeat 
private citizens have the ability to to sue to go take a legal case uh, for about ten thousand dollars minimum to sue an abortion provider. So if a heartbeat bill is uh, detected or heartbeat is detected uh, and Planned Parenthood were to proceed with some kind of an abortion um, procedure to terminate the pregnancy, then a private citizen would have the ability to go to court, to take them to court and sue them at minimum uh, for statutory damages of $10,000. And the Senate Bill 8 provides that private, private citizen with uh, protection against any kind of recrimination. Okay, Ryan, so explain to me, from here, did it serve its intended purposes? Are these abortion clinics shutting down? Are they stopping abortions? Are they, are they full steam ahead and they're paying the fine? Or what, what, what are they doing? Well, th that remains to be seen. The reality is, is that Planned Parenthood is using this to raise money, as well as the left, to try and see if they can rally their base. Uh, if they can uh, raise millions of dollars off of this. And so they're trying to create a panic. Uh, what I would say is that we're gonna, we're gonna see these cases move forward in Texas. Hopefully we'll actually have a real case here very soon where a lawsuit will be brought, uh, brought to bear and, and through the court system. But there's gonna be all kinds of little parlor tricks and little, you know, different types of legal injunctions uh, court rulings all the way from the, the lower circuit all the way up back to the Supreme Court. So I would not say that this ends abortion in Texas or, or, or it comes even close to that. But, but it is absolutely a landmark case that the pro-life uh, movement has reason to rejoice over. And we've got to do plenty more to overturn abortion in this country. Well, Ryan, explain this to me then. Is this more pro-life than every other state? Is this the most radical pro-life bill out there? Are there a bunch of states that have this bill and Texas is following suit? Explain it for me. There are plenty of heartbeat bills that have been passed. I think what this this what makes the uh, Texas bill unique is a private citizen's ability to take their case to court. That is the biggest difference. I believe there are uh, Twenty some odd bills that have been out there have been presented from Ohio to Alabama across this country. What is unique about this is the special circumstance in which a citizen has the ability to be the law, in a sense, a legal enforcer of the bill. And I, and so a private citizen's ability, just like uh, the right to to carry and bear arms, uh, it's going to allow them to have a voice in court. Okay, speaking of a voice in court, uh, just switching gears here, the, the vaccine passport, vaccine, uh, you know, mandate stuff has a lot of Americans pretty divided right now, pretty up in arms. Obviously, I'm dead set against such a thing, but I yeah. really see a future that is going to be tied down in court and really, really ugly with a lot of this stuff, Ryan. I mean, how am I supposed to look at this stuff and come up with anything else than this is a huge civil rights violation, a lot of this? Yeah, absolutely. America never needs to become a nation like Canada or like Australia or, God forbid, China's CCP. Uh, vaccine passports are a terrible idea. We have to remind ourselves as conservatives uh, that the Constitution is still intact. Last I checked, we have a due process. We have a separation of power uh, and a very vocal conservative minority. Even if 51%, Jesse, of Americans wanted to provide consent, to some radical, socialistic, totalitarian, technocratic, medical bureaucracy. 
and say, you know what, Anthony, Anthony Fauci, we're going to make you ruler supreme. We don't need a president anymore. We're going to have the uh, epidemiologist run this country. Hey, what would you do, Anthony Fauci? Tell us what new laws you would create. Even if 51% of Americans wanted to provide consent for that kind of radical way of doing uh, government, it still couldn't happen because of the Constitution, uh, because of our right to due process, uh, because of, of Americans' ability uh, to, to actually go uh, in, in the court system uh, as well as to their state legislatures and make their appeal. So uh, we, we absolutely are not going to lose uh, freedom in this country without kicking and screaming and even fighting, God forbid, a civil war. It, it cannot happen. You would have to get rid of everything that's fundamental uh, to this country, including our Constitution. Ryan, how much power do the states have to protect their citizens? If the federal government has lost its mind, and clearly it has lost its mind, if you're in one of these sta states that's fairly sane, like Texas, it's a great example, Florida, can you be safe there? Is, this the, is the state strong enough to protect you from most of the bad stuff as far as the COVID mandates and whatnot? Yeah, I would say absolutely. One of the, the first thing is to ignore. I mean, you know, the states have a, a wield a lot of power and uh, attorneys generals uh, absolutely have a lot of power in the, at the state level. But the, the federal government can do a lot of things that are unconstitutional, and yet the states can simply choose to ignore those things. Um, so, uh, you know, very similar to um, when President Trump was president uh, in states like uh, New York and California uh, wanted to provide a safe haven for illegal immigrants and say, absolutely not. Uh, you can't go and uh, uh, push them out of the country. We're going to keep them here. Um, there, there are a lot of ways in which states can obstruct or even ignore certain mandates that are coming from the federal level. And prove me that you can actually enforce something like a vaccine passport. So I, I absolutely believe there are a number of measures, legal measures, I want to be clear, first and foremost, with, that don't require outright rebellion, anarchy, uh, that still honor the rule of law. Uh, that citizens have uh, access to, especially in states that are still conservative. Legal measures such as suing. I've been I've been asked this question a thousand times, so I keep trying to get clarification. If your employer yeah. comes to you and says, "Get the vaccine or you're fired," and you're somebody who doesn't want the vaccine, can you sue? I, I mean, I know you can sue. Can you win? Is that just going to get tossed right out? How does this work? Well, I am no, le I mean, when it comes to legalese, I'll leave the, the legalese to the legal experts, but you absolutely have a right to sue as a private citizen. What it comes down to uh, for very, there's large em uh, employers across the country, like Amazon, like Walmart, like Lowe's, um, they absolutely have to think twice about making some kind of blanket mandate for their employees. Uh, as more and more medical reports that come out from uh, various research hospitals like John, Johns Hopkins and others, Duke University and others, uh, there are a number of citizens that are concerned. I don't care what the politics are. There's the medical science that has to enter in and say, look, I, I, I'm at risk for uh, X number of reasons uh, on the health side that I cannot take this vaccine. It has nothing to do with being a Democrat. It has nothing to do with being Republican or who you voted for in fall of 2020. It has everything to do with uh, what is gonna put my health at risk. 
And because of that concern, I have informed consent. I'm not going to allow a health uh, provider to give me the jab, so to speak. Uh, and so I'm going to exercise that right. And no employer can make you do that. And so I, I think there there is going to be a very large pushback, Jesse, a citizen's revolt, if you will. Uh, we have civil rights. The ACLU doesn't just exist for the left. Uh, there are many uh, concerned uh, conservatives on the right. And by the way, 100 million some odd estimated who still have not received the vaccine and probably will not. And it has a lot to do with the media's misinformation campaign. That's a fact. Ryan, thank you so much, man. I appreciate you. Hey, thank you, Jesse. Really appreciate it. All right. We got a funny little quick light in the mood for you. Next. Hang on. You know what the best thing ever is as we get ready to lighten the mood here and the worst thing ever? best and worst dudes you know there's just nothing better in this world than your boys and sometimes there's nothing worse than your boys Garrett I'm on your team like I said the best and worst dudes ever kind of makes me miss the Marine Corps but not too much alright we'll see you tomorrow